You're listening to the Opening Statements Podcast, brought to you by HyperChat Social, the podcast bringing you real lawyers and their real stories. I'm Laura. And I'm Rebecca. This week, our guest is Josh Stein, a serious personal injury and wrongful death attorney for 18 years. He's been named one of America's top 100 personal injury attorneys as a top trial lawyer, a Georgia super lawyer, and he is the host of Sports and Torts, which you can check season two out now wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so today, his most prestigious honor, he joins the Opening Statements podcast. Court is now in session. Welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate the intro very much, and you're right. This is the this is the most prestigious honor that I can have. <laughs> I appreciate y'all having Spread me Spread it here. around. This is, a, this is a fancy studio. We got fancy equipment. This is, uh, is going to be a lot of fun, so thank yeah. you for having me. Most importantly, cocktails. Yes. We do. Cheers. I know. Um, so big question right out the gate. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do law? Why do I do what I do? Um, I wish I had some kind of really deep, passionate story for you guys. I'm sure some of your guests grew up, always wanted to be lawyers and that kind of stuff. That wasn't really me. Um, I went to University of Georgia, mm-hmm. was in the business school, um, did risk management, which at the time was like kind of insurance side, that kind of stuff. And then um, I guess by my junior year, people start saying, what do you want to do? Like when you grow up, what do you want your job to be? I'm like, I don't know. I'm pretty darn happy here in Athens. Yeah. Being a <laughs> really like, like UGA. Yeah, like, can I, can I do this? You know? <laughs> and so um, I started looking at secondary kind of graduate studies to go into. And Georgia, you know, had a, had a very good law school. Interested in the law. Would watch TV shows. The practice was kind of big mm. at the time. You might remember that mm-hmm. one. Um, and so, you know, I was like, I'll do that. So went to Georgia Law School, which was great. And uh here I am. I mean, it was a, it was a good choice. I'm glad I did it. I'm, I love being a lawyer. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Any particular reason why you chose the the practice area that you did? Yeah. So, um, again, I guess some people come go into it knowing, like, they want to be a criminal lawyer or mm-hmm. they want to do bankruptcy or they want to do whatever. Um, I went to law school not really having that kind of a passion one way or the other, but once I start taking – uh, classes, I realized that like the, the, the corporate stuff wasn't really me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be behind a desk all day, like looking at contracts and negotiating that kind of stuff. Um, I enjoyed being with people. I enjoyed the, the torts was the class that is, you know, the fact patterns I handle now, like that was my favorite class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after like your first year of law school, second year of law school, you do like tons of, they call in-campus interviews where firms from Atlanta or wherever come on and you can like get interviewed about a potential summer job. And um, the folks that I interviewed with that I enjoyed the most, um, Tara, uh, Waller Parker, and Jeff Yashinsky, they were just cool, right? They just, they were just like kind of people, they they could do this. Yeah. um, As opposed to some of the stuffy kind of bigger firms. And so I decided to, they offered, they were nice enough to offer me a job, went to work with them. They were working for Progressive Insurance Company in-house, which is car wreck, stuff like that. Okay. And so that's kind of my first job there. And then got experience doing that, enjoyed it, and then that's kind of what I've been doing ever since. Wow. That's interesting. Somebody else we had on had a similar, they started off kind of working on the insurance company side as well before they, they made flipped. that switch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that that's a track that a lot of people do. Is it? Um, I mean, there's some folks that can right off the bat go work for a plaintiff's firm, and that's what I do. I, yeah. I represent individuals that mm-hmm. have been hurt against the insurance companies. And, and some people can do that off the bat, and that's great. A lot of people like me going to work for the insurance companies get that experience, mm-hmm. kind of learn how they're defended, learn how the, in, the insurance companies kind of view it, and then use that knowledge yeah. to kind of flip. Genius, really, yeah. Them. Yeah, and so, so like Progressive, for example, I mean, I have tons of cases against them, and I still know a lot of their 
lawyers and adjusters. Oh. And so it's a very easy kind of, not easy, but it's a, it's a very warm kind of feeling where it's like, hey, we know each other. We, everybody gets this. We all understand it. Yeah. Do what we got to do, but let's get to the end where it's a good resolution you know, for both sides. For both. That's interesting. Yeah. If you weren't doing law, what do you think you would be doing? You'd be a student at UGA. You'd <laughs> still, still be there. I'd, I'd still be a student at UGA. Um, was that Van Wilder? Is that the movie? Yeah. Where the guy yeah. like, like, that'd be me. I'd be like, hey, it's football season coming again. Um, I'm sure y'all get the, the answers a lot. Like, I'd be one being an athlete, things like that. Yeah, and, and, that, and, that. And, yeah. Yeah, and that. And that is me as a kid. Like, I was a baseball player, so I guess I'd want to be on the Braves. Yeah. Um, I was not good enough to do that. So I guess Damn. I'd want to be like a sports caster was okay. kind of my next thing I wanted to do. Uh, my mom, funny enough, uh, I remember her saying like, I should look at Syracuse's colleges. I don't know if you're familiar with Syracuse and upstate New yeah. York. Yeah. It's like known as kind of the hotbed of where they, they produce the, the kind of up and coming broadcasters. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't really think upstate, upstate New, New York. York is really <laughs> want to do. So, yeah. so scratch that. But, uh, that was always my, my, I guess, my passion. And I guess now I have this podcast you mentioned. Thank you for bringing it up. If I could get paid to do that full time. Right. Like, that's what I would do. Yeah. Very cool. cool. Um, so when did you decide to make that switch from the insurance side to did you switch just into your own practice or did you join another firm from there? What's that yeah, story? Yeah. So um, I did progressive was my first job for two years. Okay. And then from there. Uh, that was just car wrecks, which was a great experience, but you know, you kind of want to do something different than just that. And yeah. so from there, I went to a, a, a firm, a regional firm um, that did everything, all sorts of defense stuff um, until 2017. So, you know, 12, 13 years there. Um, wow. And, yeah. And had a you know, great experience, great colleagues, great firm, nothing bad at all to say about them at all. Learned a ton. Um, but just realized that I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life, right? You get to that point where it's like, it's kind of now or never. At least that's how I looked at it. Um, time goes by so fast. And I was like, I don't want to do this for the next 40, 50 years. Yeah. And so there's always an excuse about why you can't do something. Kids are the wrong age, got a mortgage, mm. whatever it might be. Like, you can always come up with excuses. Yeah. Um, but I told myself, I'm like, you know, I got an offer from a good friend of mine, Andy Goldner, to, to join up with him. And I uh, sat on it and stood on it and... 2017, January 2017, um, joined his firm as what we called of counsel. Okay. Um, he was great to kind of bring me in, show me the kind of how to do things on the plaintiff side, help me kind of get my feet wet with getting clients because that's truly the hardest part. I mean, yes. in most businesses, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's getting clients. Acquisition, yeah. 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 And so he kind of helped me with that and I kind of figured out how, how to do that. And then 2020 um, is when I opened my own firm. Okay. January 2020, just in time for, you know, COVID. Oh, yeah. Pandemic. Good so, times. Yeah. Lo lo love that timing right there. Right. But again, there's always going to be something. So yes. you just got to do it. What was your first case like? And I want to hear it from both standpoints. Like yeah. your first case on the insurance. And then your first like, The defendant side. Yeah. So so the plaintiff side, I mean, that's a great question because because it's, it's probably my most impactful case, too. So I'll start there. Um, and j just to kind of just kind of frame frame things, it's like the case itself on the defense side and the plaintiff side is kind of the same, right? Like the law is kind of the same, the analysis is kind of the same, how you develop it is kind of the same, but there's lots of different parts on the front end with dealing with, with, with the actual person client versus the insurance company mm -hmm. and with, with kind of understanding how to develop a case to make it make it work. And that you only get by like kind of doing it, right? Yeah. And so um, I'd mentioned January 1st, 2017, 
was my first day as a plaintiff's lawyer. Yeah. And I might be off by a day or two, but let's call it January 15th. Okay. So within a couple weeks. I get a call, and it's from an uncle of a little boy who had gotten killed by uh, pit bulls that oh, morning. Oh, God. You might have heard about it on the, radio, on, the, on the news five years ago. Um, he was walking to school, kindergarten boy, backpack on, uh, you know, downtown Atlanta, um, walking to his bus stop, and two pit bulls out of nowhere attack him and maul him to death, and another girl that he was with. She survived, but it was a terrible attack. Um, oh yeah, God. the face you're showing is the face I had. And so he calls me, and he was giving my name, and he's just like, uncontrollably crying and uncontrollably understandable of course like we don't know what to do we're giving your name like this just happened and so here i am like i don't know what to do either right yeah i mean like i I, I know what to do once the case is there but i don't really know what to do with like going to their house and consoling them and talking through all this Mm -hmm. there's news reporters outside there's people asking for statements there's police at their door because this is a potentially a criminal activity by the dog owner and so he's looking at me, and I got to look back to him and, like, kind of, hey, I got it. It's going to be okay, whatever. And then Andy, who I mentioned, was out of town on deposition, so he's not there. And so it's kind of like you got to go put your Sink big boy pants on yeah. and figure it out, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I go down to his house, go down to the house, and there's Channel 2 everywhere, and everything's going on. I'm like, all right, I guess you got to just figure this out somehow. So that was my first, I would say, like, true case on the plaintiff side that is wild yeah yeah and then it's like you know i remember sandra Choi from abc you know she's yeah. like i need a statement from you and they're like we're gonna do a news conference i'm like i don't know how to do any of this <laughs> I, I don't know how to do any no of this no one's media trained me yet yeah yeah if i knew y'all, y'all back then y'all probably gonna help me yeah um but anyway uh worked that case for years and years and years and um i think i was like if i can kind of get through this then I can handle most of them. You say years and years and years. Yeah. Like how many years 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 did that one take you? So that one was probably about three years. Wow. Um, Years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's kind of unusual. I mean, Mm -hmm. the cases can last six months, nine months, a year, but like three plus is pretty unusual. Um, I can tell you some specifics if you want about kind of why that was the case. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, you know, like how did that work? Like who's the defendant in that case? Do you have dog owner? Do you have insurance companies involved you know like how that's a perfect question to ask because that's that's kind of why it took so long yeah um so typically in a dog attack case or dog bite case which we handle a lot of those the dog owner Mm -hmm. or the dog walker is the defendant yeah okay under the theory that's really interesting because like i use a dog walking app sometimes and so if they were walking my dog and my dog attacked someone which i have lovely dogs they're not going to do that but would I be on the hook or would the dog walker company be Maybe on the both. hook? Both, right? Maybe I would both. say you yeah. chose them. I mean, it's very it's fact true. specific in terms of what led the dog to get loose. So under your fact pattern, mm. if you hire somebody to walk your dog, your dog has never bothered anybody before, sweet little puppy, whatever. But they go take the dog to the park and don't put it on a leash or don't make sure that the dog is under their control and the dog runs off and injures somebody. Then the, then the argument I would make is that they were negligent in not keeping that dog under their control. Gotcha. Right, because okay. it was their responsibility. You, you hired them and you paid them to do it. Yeah. Now, how could you be responsible would be if there was evidence that that dog had done it before. Sure. And, and had bitten someone before and either you didn't tell the dog walker 
or you didn't take steps to make sure that that dog wasn't going to get loose, then, then you could be responsible. Gotcha. Okay. What happens a lot of times is we file claims against everybody, and then, <laughs> you know, then kind of see what the facts shake out. There you so, go. That's fair. That's okay, just being so honest. Back to this one. So how did... Yeah, so... Um, like I said, typically you file a, a, the, the case against the dog owner, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. under the theory that you're responsible to keep your dogs under your control, yeah. you let the dog loose, it was roaming free, and because of that, this injury happened. And there's mm-hmm. local ordinances, y'all might have seen them before, yeah. leash laws that require mm-hmm. yes. you to have your dog, you know, on, on a leash. So that's where we started. Now, in, in the area of town where this happened, it's low income, and so it's very rare that the dog owner would have homeowner's insurance or some kind of insurance that where we always go and get the recovery from, yeah. much less any personal assets to speak sure. of. Okay. So, so these dog attack cases can very quickly turn into nothing if the person that owns the dog has nothing. Has nothing. And, and that's, that's, that's something that's out of everybody's control. And, you know, my clients always ask, like, well, can I go get their house? Can I go get their future wages? And the answer is, I guess you could, but I've never seen it really play out in practice, like, effectively. Yeah. So typically, if there's no insurance, there's no case. Well, on this one, that was what happened. This guy had no insurance. He lived in a rental house. Um, Mm. So the argument we second made was that the owner of the house had responsibilities for keeping the fencing and and stuff in repair. So just to keep the dogs to... Is that what happened in this case? They one of our theories, you know. I mean, the fence was not in good shape, so very is it's very plausible that the dogs could could get out. So that was our second our second you know dog owner that wasn't going to work. Well, legally it would have worked, but there'd be no place to recover. Correct. Yeah. Um, Homeowner, rental property owner, the law is pretty tough on that. Um, you've got to show some specific facts to allow you to have a successful case against a rental property. What kind of facts? The, the, the house was in disrepair. They mm. knew it. They were told about it. They knew these dogs had escaped before. Yeah. Tenants like, hey, fix my fence. And they say no. It's hard to prove. It's hard to prove. And yeah. In those types of cases, like, are you almost like an investigator? Like, are you the one trying to seek in your office, trying to find these facts and these proof? Or is this like a list you give your client, you know, and you're like, this little is what A little bit of both. A little bit of both. I mean, our clients, they know the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they know the neighbors. They know typically it happens on your street or a park nearby. Yeah. And so everybody kind of knows each other's business. And so, for example, we have to prove that the dog had done this before, that had shown some sort of vicious propensity, had bitten before. And so it's like, okay, well, you, client, have you heard anybody else on the street that this has happened, that this has happened to? Okay. So that would be the client doing the work. We've also hired investigators to very friendly go knock on doors and just say, hey, you heard what happened to little Johnny. Do you know this happening to somebody else? Yeah. yeah. And people, some cooperate, some don't, but you, you just try. The other thing you can do is um, we send open records requests to animal control. Every county, every city has some sort of animal control mm-hmm. that are supposed to keep records of you know times they've been called out to you know 100 Main Street before for some sort of dog incident. Okay, and so you get that. Yeah. Um, but 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 to your point, yeah, like it's our job to prove all that because the judge ultimately is going to say, you know, hey Josh, what is your proof that this person is responsible? And then, yeah. I can't rely on that person to tell me, oh, yeah, this dog's bitten before. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're not, not going to do that. No. You know. Uh-huh. Um, but in, in, in this case, with animal control, once we once we realize that dog owner not going to be good, homeowner not going to be good, um, we heard a lot of evidence from the community that, that dogs in general and these dogs in particular had been kind of known to be out and about roaming around. 
Mm-mm. and that they were kind of always kind of around and it's dangerous and scary. And the, the, um, the residents, the community members would call local animal control and report it. And what they told us is that they weren't responding. And so our theory was essentially against animal control saying you knew this situation was going on. Mm. You knew there was a problem with you know, these dogs in, in general roaming, roaming around. You know there's kids. You, you, you let this kind of hazard happen until inevitably this was going to be the result. Mm-hmm. Kind of a novel theory, but one that at least to me, you know, made some sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so that became then us filing a, a lawsuit against the animal control going through all their records about calls they received and what they did and talking to their animal control officers and, you know, trying to go down this path that, frankly, wasn't totally charter territory. Yeah. But to me, it was like we need to do everything we can to, to, to I mean, it's cliche, but you want to prevent it from happening again. Yes. And yeah. that was part of it, too. It was like if we can increase awareness from animal control that, that this is what their community is saying, whether it's, whether it's true or not, that's what their perception was. Mm-hmm. You know, can we get them to hire more control officers, be more responsive, have better access to their voicemail when after-hours calls come in, things like that. Yeah. And so the case kind of turned into more of that, mm. you know, and, and talking with city council people and, you know, legislative people and, and trying to make that death not – Kind of for not in vain, yeah. Yeah. Was there any recovery in that? There or was. was it more? Yeah, I mean, there was. It was a. It's a confidential settlement. Yeah. Um, you know, there was some some tough tough law that we were facing against because essentially, those animal control entities, while they're private companies, they're government contracts. I was wondering if they were government operated. Yeah, oh. I mean, some companies, some, some companies, some counties do it differently. Um, this particular county, uh, it was a local. A private company that was that was contracted by the government, and so there's certain immunities that the government is is given to do their jobs. So there's all a, a yeah. whole host of issues, and you know ultimately that animal control company, like I think they're good people. I think they try. I think they're 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 oftentimes have budget constraints, and it's tough to get people out there. And so I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean that was my first case, and probably Dang. talked about more than y'all wanted, but it's no. it, it was a it was kind of a, a, a big deal. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, so you've represented a wide variety of clients. What, what would you say your biggest difference is between like a fortune 500 company versus an individual, an individual? Yeah. And, and, and I think the biggest difference is why I ultimately made the decision to leave because Mm -hmm. the fortune 500 companies, they've got thousands and thousands of cases all the same. I mean, they might have a hundred of those similar dog bites, not similar to that, but you know, where someone was attacked and they've got 500 car wreck cases and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so. So they look at their 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 sheet, and it's just like claim number one, claim number two, claim number three. They're just trying to get through them, right? Yeah. And then when the case is over, and we, we would call them, they would say thank you, but it wasn't like, oh, thank you. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. It's like, thanks for your hard work. What's going on in the next case? Yeah, like way to do your job. Way to do your job. That's what we're paying you for. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, that's, that's great. That's fine. Um, on the personal side, it's like, oh, my gosh, thank you. This is going to change my life. Yeah. You stood up for me against the big Fortune 500 company. Um, you got me the recovery I needed. My medical bills are now paid for. Time I missed from work has been paid back. Like, thank you. And they, be, they become your friends. Um, and so that, for me, was the biggest difference was, like, I want to I want to represent the actual person, not kind of the big business. Yeah. 
It's hmm. interesting. Yeah, it is. I'm stuck on the dog bite one. I know. It's <laughs> I'm like, yeah, as, a, as a mommy, yeah. I'm just like. <gasps> I know. I'm My head is spiraling, so I have to keep like thinking moving like on. At the bus stop. Stop. I just, you know, just stop. Like, Mm-mm. nope. Oh, no. Okay. Don't spiral. I mean, I think we did talk a little bit about the. Is, would you say that's the most interesting case? I know you called it the most impactful. Is there another interesting case? Interesting case. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Inter- I, I get the question, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I get it a lot. It's hard for me to talk interesting when it deals with people's, like, loss of something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like I've, I had a case where a client um, had the four fingers on his hand uh, amputated, cut off, in a commercial garage door. He was, a, he, he was a mechanic, called in to fix it. He's doing nothing wrong, and the door came off the track. And cut his fingers off. Oh. So, so that developed into a, an interesting kind of analysis. But he would probably not choose the word interesting. He to, no, he probably to, would to, not to, to describe what happened to him. Trauma, no. uh, maybe. But that case was interesting because um, he he had heard, you know, from like scuttlebutt gossip, whatever it is, around around the office that the door that the installer of that garage door was like not very good. And there was lots of screws that were missing or not put in properly, um, and that there was like a reason why it happened, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so that that required us like taking a hard look at like, okay, who was really responsible for this? Was it our client? Did he walk up there and put his hand someplace and make a door move where it shouldn't have? Mm-hmm. Um, was it built wrong? Was it installed wrong? Was it designed wrong? Um, we knew we had a bad injury, yeah. but now it's like, how do you figure out? Who's responsible? Exactly, who's responsible in that case. Yeah, and so in that case, what was interesting is that um, we we sent out an OSHA request. Y'all familiar with OSHA? Mm -hmm. Okay, we sent an OSHA request, which sometimes that comes up with stuff, sometimes it doesn't. This particular time it did, and it had a notation in the file about, you know, a quarter-inch screw. The the one door number two, you know, was not properly secured when when they went out and did the inspection. Um, and so we, we were like, well, that's what happened, right? I mean, yeah. like, I'm not a, I'm not Bob Vila, whatever, but I know that if you don't, <laughs> if you don't put the screw in properly, like, that's how things can fail. Yeah. Um, and so we ended up making the case against the installer of the door who hadn't been on premises wow. quite some time. Yeah. Um, and and got a got a result for him. So wow. I think that was interesting. That is interesting. Um, just, yeah. yeah. Like a, you from know, our perspective, from yeah. ours, yeah. Like a just even trying to identify who is at yeah. fault in that. You know, I feel like they're... Well, because you how long ago it, was the door installed? If, if yeah. like, OSHA came out, right, and said, hey, this screw's all wonky, wouldn't it be on someone to not, like, replace that, right? Like, so yeah. like no, it's wonky? Yeah. Yeah, so, so, and that's a great question. OSHA came out because, I guess what I failed to mention is that the mechanic was, was obviously on the job, and so it became a worker's comp case, which is why OSHA mm-hmm. Yeah, like, so OSHA it. came up... After, after after his finger, like they didn't yeah. come say, "Hey, this screws yes. might chop someone's fingers." Like off. during a health inspection, and then, or something. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. think OSHA really comes out that often. Now, <laughs> like now the the, the, the fact pattern that you just that you just brought up would it be like a dream case if you have a government agency coming out and saying, "Hey, this screw is wonky. Do something about it." They don't do anything about mm. it. Right now, they're yeah. on notice of this problem. Um, and it's in writing, and then someone comes behind it a day, a week, a month, a year later and has a bad injury, like, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Right? And so if you're sitting on a jury and you're like, well, why didn't you just fix the darn screw? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you just make this change? Yeah. Right? And so so in my cases, like, that's a lot of the stuff that we're looking for. Like, the event happens on January 1st. What happened 
August 1st before. Yeah. Because that's really why this happened. Exactly. Something something went wrong six months before, whether it was a training issue, a super whatever it might be. Like, like why are we here? Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the, the thinking that as you do this long enough, you start thinking about not just the event, but the, you know, what, what led up to the event. Yeah. And that's yeah. really where you can make your case. Yeah. Now, what happens in a case like that where you, you know, you do your homework and you find that this thing, just a freak accident, right? Like, there is no wonky screw or there is no, you mm. know, negligent uh, yeah. door guy. What happens then? Yeah, so I, I try to be very honest with my clients and, and I just tell them like it is. I'm like, look, I want your case to be successful. We work on contingency fees. We only make money if we're successful in your case. So my goal is to make this work for you. Yeah. But I'm also not going to be blind to the facts. And I'm not going to lie to you about chances of success. Yeah. Because what people I have found really want is just somebody to look into the things for them and tell them what they found. Yeah. So, so Evan, your question, I, I tell them, I say, dude, freak, freak thing happened. Or it happened because of this, but we can't prove it. Or mm. we can't find somebody that is going to be responsible for it. So you have two options. You can move forward, probably not with me as your lawyer, because I'm not going to bring a a frivolous case mm-hmm. or you can just you know like I said hire somebody else or you can just dismiss the case move on realize that that you didn't leave any stone unturned and that's that because you know as, as, as personal injury lawyers we have to have credibility with the defense lawyers mm-hmm. and we have to have credibility with the insurance companies and if if they know that I'm going to bring a case that doesn't have any merit they're not going to take me seriously yeah so so I have to be very um Conscious, conscious that's yeah, a good yeah, word, very yeah. conscious to make sure that the cases that I take are real, have merit. And if I find out six months down the road they don't, i got to be able to cut bait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that means I've invested time and money into exactly. the case that I'm never going to get back. Yeah. But it also means that I'm saving my reputation, keeping my client from going through another year or two years worth of unnecessary um, you know, litigation and also not spending more money investigating a case mm-hmm. That, that we know is not going to end up paying out. Yeah. Um, so obviously you can't be an experienced lawyer without picking up a few interesting cases. We've talked about a couple of those. Um, and I want to talk about them a little bit more. Um, on the dog bite cases that you've had, um, if you could change one thing about dog bite laws, what would it be? That if you have a dog, you have to have homeowner's insurance on it. And, mm-hmm. Or renter's insurance. Or renter's insurance. Something. Yeah, I mean, I, I and it's never going to happen. And is, but yeah. is all homeowner's insurance, like, does it all cover if you have a dog? Do you have to claim the dog? There, there is one company, I'm not going to mention them, that has a exclusion in their homeowner's policy that says if your dog has the word, vicious propensity is like the word in Georgia. Okay. Vicious propensity. Okay. It just is. Who defines that word? Like, what does that mean? Well, the, the um, I mean, the courts have defined it. And, and that means the, the dog's behavior, the manner. Like, is this a dog that has shown some sort of ill will towards somebody before? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Has, has growled, bitten, attacked, jumped, whatever. Gotcha. So it doesn't mean just like an aggressive dog breed. It can breed. be. It, not, no, right. Not the breed. Okay. Not right. The breed. Right. Yeah. Like the, but like the it's law- just had tendencies. Had tendencies. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. And so there's a particular carrier that is now written into their policy, essentially, that says, if your dog has had these sorts of behavior before, then we're not going to provide coverage for it if it happens a second time, which I guess in theory makes sense. But what happens is if, if a case is brought, the only way you can win a case is if they've had that vicious propensity. 
So the yeah. home, so the homeowner really has no coverage at all. Yeah. For the dog, um, because well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, the first time it happens, they're they're not gonna, there's not gonna be a case. And second time, they have no coverage, and so it leaves the consumer that got injured, kind of like out. their personal stuff up for yes. grabs. Really. Yes. I'm gonna have to ask you off air what company that is because I mean you don't tend to read no all the clauses. It. No one reads it. And and when I made that brought that case, it was a great case. Yeah. And the adjuster calls me and I would too if I were her. She's like page 75 footnote A clause 2. I'm going to send it to you. I'm like what are you talking about? And I'd never seen it before, but yeah. sure enough there it is and a judge is going to more times than not like Enforce that the contract is what it is, but the mm-hmm. you signed the it, insured, yeah. you would I would never read it, no, you know. And so now here they are sued because of something they thought they had coverage for, mm-hmm. and they don't. And yeah. so then now they're, they're now they're freaking out that they're going to lose their house and they're going to lose their wages and this kind of stuff. Wow. Yeah, and so you know you have to have car insurance to drive a car. Mm-hmm. Yes. we all know that. So that be that would be my change of law. That is. is it, and That's, so everybody, if you're listening, go and open your homeowner's insurance policy and look for any weird clauses. That is what I we mean, know. I like, yeah, there's just so many. Because I mean, imagine people like who buy a home, they get homeowner's insurance. Mm-hmm. They don't have a dog. Then they get a dog. Yeah. You know, like in the You don't think sudden, to – you don't ever dogs, expect so your like, dog oh. to be aggressive either to even like – Ideally. Warrant you know? looking. I, I just don't know. I don't can, know can we do another public source announcement with yes, insurance coverage? Yes, absolutely. Okay. You like how I'm just taking over the questions here? Yeah, yeah do it. Good. Uh, this is important. And, and anybody that will listen to me, I tell them this. Okay, uninsured or underinsured motorist coverage. Do mm-hmm. you all know what that is? I, like, know the term. I know you have an excellent blog on your website about it. Yes. And a video on your you. YouTube channel. Yes, everybody go watch it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, okay, so this is why this is so important. We just said that when you get when you drive a car, you have to have insurance coverage. Mm-hmm. It's yes. called liability coverage. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, that means that if you go out and run a red light, don't mean to, and you hit somebody – then there's coverage that you have that can pay for that person's medical bills, pay and suffering, all that. Okay. Got it. The minimum amount in Georgia is $25,000 you have to carry. Okay. All right. You should carry more, whatever you can afford, whatever. But that's the minimum amount you have to carry. Okay. Now, what that means is the most that your insurance company's ever going to pay somebody if you hurt them is $25,000, yeah. which with hospital bills now, medical bills, like, that doesn't go very far. Not at no. all. That doesn't go no. very far. Yeah. You go to Wellstar, not too far from here, they do a couple x-rays and a CT scan, like, you're there. <laughs> there yeah. it is. Okay. And so what that then does is it opens up the, the, the person that caused the wreck to potential excess exposure that coming mm-hmm. out of their own pockets. But more importantly, for, for my point here, is if you're the person that got hurt in that wreck, you're like, wait, what? That's all you're going to pay me? That doesn't even care my hospital bill. Yeah. Right? Like, you would not be happy about that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you'd be mad at me about that when I deliver that news to you. Exactly, yeah. yeah. All right, you with me? Um, and so in order to combat that potential problem, for your own safety, you purchase uninsured motorist coverage. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm not an agent. I'm not a broker. I make no money off of that. <laughs> um, no commissions for, for you going and calling State Farm and adding it. But here's what happens. if that In that same fact pattern I just gave you, if your, if your hospital bills are $100,000 and they only had $25,000 in coverage, you're short seventy five. Yep. Okay? On your own policy, had you purchased uninsured motorist coverage, that would step in and pay the difference. I got you. Okay. So it covers the underinsured person who hit you or the uninsured. Yeah. I mean, essentially, it becomes it's your insurance, insurance company steps in the shoes uh-huh. of the person that hit you and says, we know that they did not provide enough 
insurance coverage. Not your fault. You huh. didn't cause this wreck. Yeah. You were smart enough to spend the $10 a month, whatever it is. I'm sure that's, that's wrong, but premium to protect yourself in that situation. And so I've had cases that have wildly swung both ways. For example, I've had a case where somebody broke their leg, was in the hospital for, you know, two weeks, and they had no uninsured motorist coverage. person hit them had $25,000 in coverage, and that's it. There's nothing more I can do. They mm-hmm. have $500,000 worth of a, of a claim, million dollars worth of a claim, but they are yeah. restricted to just $25,000. That's crazy. And they're like, well, can't you do more? I'm like, no, I can't. On the other side, I've had cases in that same scenario where the person had a million dollars of UM coverage because mm-hmm. they knew to buy it and they protect themselves, and lo and behold, you can go and collect however much that the case is worth. So, you know, it's something that when we when we start a case, we have no power over that. Mm-hmm. It's already done, mm-hmm. right? You can't go back and change your elections. Right. But the first thing that we do in a car wreck case is get policy information of the person that hits you and then your policy information. And then from there, we can at least say, okay, here is the world of insurance that's out there. Because the idea of collecting it personally from somebody not going to happen. Yeah. 10 yeah. times out of 10, it's coming from the state farms of the world. 10 times out of 10. Yeah. So wow. PSA, if you're listening, the millions of listeners that you have right now, <laughs> go on your app, you. check your phone, pull your deck page, however much uninsured motorist coverage you can afford, get it. I'm writing that down for myself. Hope you don't, hope you don't, hope you don't need it. Hope you don't need it. Hope if, you don't, but, but, but if, if you, you do. do. Yeah, my brother just got rear-ended by a guy who had no insurance, and luckily everyone was fine, but like... But what if? It happens, right? Yeah, don't leave yourself vulnerable to I the didn't even, ifs. like, yeah, think about that yeah. part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow, okay. Um, what are some other unique personal injuries that you have seen, dealt with, that we haven't... That aren't the, the most common, you know, yeah. the... the, the Slip and fall, like you know. car accidents. We yeah, because we're staying away from interesting, right? Yeah. Oh no no. So um, yeah, I, I, I represent. I'm staying away from interesting. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've I've now redefined. You have yes. Is. Totally changed the temperature of the show. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm here to help. Um, so this was interesting, I guess. Um, unique. Unique. So we represented a young lady. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact term. Cool sculpting. Mm-hmm. Do y'all know what that is? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know what it was. Um, I, mean, I know now, but she went to one well, of these. For those um, of us who maybe don't know what it is, what is cool sculpting? Uh, I may, maybe get my belly It's y'all. where they freeze your fat off you. Uh, <laughs> to put it eloquently. Yeah, I'm sorry. They use hyper. I don't know what they use, to that, be honest. That, that's right. Nitrogen. I mean, they I freeze know. the fat off. They that's freeze, what everyone the fat needs. Yeah. They freeze the fat off. Yeah. And so it's, it's something that if that's what you want to do, you go there and whatever. Um, and so this particular person went to one of these med spas mm-hmm. where she saw a Groupon for like, and they are everywhere. Shout everywhere. out Groupon. Those Groupons. Shout out Groupon. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, she goes and they don't really have doctors there. You know, yeah, I don't... they, they kind of tell you they're doctors. They call themselves doctors. Yeah. And I got no problem with med spas. This is not me like mm-hmm. saying Attacking that, but, but the cool, the cool sculpting procedure is something that I think a dermatologist or, or some sort of a, of a doctor, esthetician, esthetician <laughs> yeah. you know, needs to at least oversee and administer. Mm-hmm. And so they were having a, a, an assistant do the procedure under the auspice to the, the patient that they're like true medical professionals. Like, like licensed. Like, like and, licensed yeah. and the whole thing. Okay. Well, it went horribly wrong. And what they, they, they missed a simple step. They didn't put, so it's like you said, it's freezing cold. And mm-hmm. it, so the, the coldness burns off the yeah. fat. 
but they're supposed to put this like thin protective layer, mm-hmm. which makes sense, yeah. between machine and skin. Sure. Makes I mean, kind of total sense. About, yeah. like, I'm going to freeze gonna f- your yeah. fat. There's it's going to be cold be, enough. What's it going to do to yeah. your skin? Yeah. You know? Well, what it does your skin, if there's no protective layers, it burns it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right? And so so the, the areas where you get this done is some is oftentimes very, you know, like personal yeah. space. And it's, it is. That's all it's, I can think of is like where this poor woman, I assume, got injured yeah. you're doing it like on your belly, belly your, your hips like, your thighs yeah your thighs your hiney yeah oh exactly. keeping it g all those places <laughs> oh all those goodness. places and so um they they messed it up and it, it burned her terribly bad and she's got wow. scars from it and yeah she's a, she's a, she was in her 20s early oh, 40s God. and so like that's a life of like in a bathing suit or yeah. when you're yeah. with your boyfriend or husband whatever it is like it's a big deal mm-hmm. you know and so um that like borders on a medical malpractice ish mm-hmm. type of case, which are very very difficult. I yeah. typically don't handle those because, um, and rightly so. I mean, doctors have lots of, of protections for the work that they do, and then mm-hmm. they should. Um, but this one was, was I felt, you know, pretty egregious and pretty unusual. Um, and so we filed that case, and you know, were able to show that the doctors didn't have the proper credentials, they weren't properly licensed, they didn't know what they were doing. Um, hire so in those cases, you have to hire. An, an expert, a similarly situated mm-hmm. professional to come mm-hmm. in and say, this person did this wrong because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Okay. So to file a medical case in Georgia, you have to have an expert affidavit that goes with it gotcha. to prevent doctors from getting sued for anything. Anything, yeah. One of their peers has to basically in court write an affidavit that says, yes, what this person did you know, was, was, wrong. was wrong. Yeah, and so so we get that, and they list out all the problems. At that point, what are they going to say? I mean, the injury's yeah. there. It shouldn't happen. You got somebody that, you know, another doctor that said you didn't do these things. And yeah. so it becomes a case. Yeah. So that, that, that's pretty interesting, it right? Is. I mean, yeah. to her, it's, it's, it's terrible. And, and Yes. Do you ever have, like, and maybe not in that case, but, like, using that as the example where the defendant are argumentative back, like, yes, I did put that protective layer on to where then is it a fault of the protective layer? You know? like mm. All the time. Like, all yeah. the time. Yeah, like yeah. just trying to it like... Is the, it is the exception to okay. the norm yeah. where someone will, hat in hand, I messed up. Yeah, okay. It doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, it's always somebody else's responsibility. Mm-hmm. I did everything right. You need to sue the manufacturer of that piece of cloth. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then you go to them and then they say, no, 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 no. They didn't he did it wrong. wrong. Yeah. And so then from my seat, what happens, which is, which is a good place to be, is we sit back and let them fight each other. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Hey. Right, because as the plaintiff, we get in there and we tell the jury, "Look, someone, someone messed up, someone effed up, someone yeah. did like, something wrong." We we think it was one or both of them. We don't much care. We just know that her injuries are worth X. Yeah. So let these let these two in these two companies like battle it out for a week, and then you tell us when they're done. Who owes what percentage? Yeah. And so the jury would say, we want a million dollars. And we think that they're 60% responsible and they're 40%. You owe 600, you owe 400. Okay. Wow. So that's how that plays out a lot. So in that situation, like I always try to figure out like, because you've got pain and suffering, right? Like, and she's going to have suffering in some capacity, like emotionally for the rest of her life, probably. I mean, she's young. Like, do you also go after pain and suffering, and how do you evaluate that? Yeah, so in a scar case like that, a burn case, the medical bills are typically not that big okay. because once it's kind of done, it's done. I mean, yeah. sometimes there's scar revisions, but oftentimes the scar revision surgery can make it worse. 
Okay. So, so there's not a huge amount of medical bills in that case. Unlike going to the hospital with a broken leg, the medical bills are, are, are relatively smaller. Sur- yeah. 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 And, and so pain and suffering, future impairment, future disfigurement becomes like what the case is about. Okay. Okay. And then Georgia law defines that simply as the enlightened conscious of an impartial juror. Anybody, oh, know, anybody know what that okay. means? No. Anybody know what that means? <laughs> it's just whatever the juror thinks. Whatever the juror thinks. Uh, so you could really put together, you put as any long as you could defend it. it and like try to prove your point and sway them. So my job would be if the three of y'all were my jurors, yep. mm-hmm. I'd walk in there and I'd say, here's the injury. She's 29. She, she's going to have the scar for the next 70 years. Um, bathing suit, intimate with her, whatever. Like all yeah. the stuff that you, you can imagine. Um, it's y'all's decision on how much that's worth. The law is going to charge you. It's the enlightened conscious of an impartial person like yourself. I think a way to come up with it is X, Y, and Z. Okay. You know, I think that a way you could come up with a value is this. And so we've got all sorts of different ways to, to kind of try to help a juror understand to come up with it because – from y'all's perspective, you're like, I'm just pulling out of thin air. Like, what, yeah, what is it yeah. going to be? Like, so, we have to figure out the number. You don't tell us a number? So, I do. Different lawyers have different methods. Okay. Um, what, what my goal is from the first minute I walk into the courtroom is to gain credibility with the people who make the decisions. Sure. If y'all believe me throughout the entire trial, you're going to believe me when I tell you this is how it's done. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. I haven't lied to you yet. I've told you the truth. My client is a likable person. I'm not wasting your time. Um, this is how you compute pain and suffering in this kind of a case. And if y'all like me and my client, you're going to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, hope. Makes yeah. sense. Right? If if I've been kind of shady, if I've looked disheveled, if I'm kind of all over the place, if I'm trying to do things that are sneaky, you're like, screw this guy. Like, yeah. he says it's worth a million dollars. I think it's worth a dollar. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to listen to him. Yeah. So So the credibility and the trust is like what has to happen to get me or anybody in my position to the point where you're in front of the jury and you say – her medical bills are $5,000. That's easy. We know you want to award that. The harder part is how do you put a dollar amount yeah. on what she's going to be living with the rest of her life? Yeah. Like, does she, like, does she, the client, whoever the client is, give you a number of, like, what they want? Or did they? Yeah. So they don't know either. Yeah. Right? I mean, they've never been through it. They haven't, you know, so what we, what we have to do is we have to give them kind of like, this is the expected range. Okay. And we know the range because we've handled case like this before, or other people have handled case like this before. Mm. And so, so we have to tap into our network of other lawyers on both sides that have had these kind of cases and say, well, what, what are you selling these kind of cases for? What's a jury giving giving back? And then both sides, like it's like buying a house, yeah. right? You're looking at the comps, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of great services. Case Metrics is one that gets that information for us. Yeah, um, and so you can type in. You know, this county, this age, this injury, and it'll give you however many verdicts or settlements oh, wow. there are. That's and so helpful. you yeah, and so you can print it out just like you're buying a house and you say on the low end it's a dollar, on the high end it's a million, the spread is this, and that's how you kind of arrive at your number. That's oh, interesting. And yeah. so so when we go to like a mediation, you know yeah. what that is? Like yeah. like before a trial, you know, I wanna educate the insurance companies on kind of this is the range of what these cases are selling for. So I'm not being greedy for my client. My client's not willing to accept less. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the data. Like it, don't like it, but it is what it is. Yeah. And the insurance companies, they understand that. I yeah. mean, they, 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 for the most part, they want to they give their best shot at it too. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. You've mentioned a couple times, like, the phrase fact pattern. 
and I think you mentioned it initially when you were talking about a class. I think it was a torts class. Mm-hmm. What what does that mean? Okay, very good. Yeah. So a fact pattern is just is just the facts that led to the particular case. Um, a, a tort is somebody doing something wrong to somebody else, like okay. in its most simplest term. Okay. So so the example that we use running the red light, you committed a tort on the person ah. that you hit. Okay. Okay. The person that owns the dog that let it go loose, committed a tort on the person that it bit. Okay. Okay. Um, and so the fact pattern would just be what facts led to it happening. And then what injuries did the person have as a result, mm. which oftentimes becomes a whole lot more important than the actual incident. When you run a red light, police, you know, police come out within an hour, within a, within a minute, they produce a four-page report. kind of is what it is. Yeah. You ran the red light. You were speeding. Mm-hmm. Here's a witness. Like, that's kind of over. You know, so now it becomes, what are the facts of the injuries? Okay. Interesting. All right. Okay. Well, um, here at the opening statements, we not only value the stories, but we also value the lessons, and we try to foster a good learning environment, which I think we really have. We've got a know, lot of so definitions. much information. Uh, yes. Yeah, I learned what uh, frozen sculpting is. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cool sculpting. Cool, cool sculpting. sculpting. You don't even right, know the word. Yeah. <laughs> Not, but, not frozen the movie. Right, exactly. <laughs> Elsa and Anna making an appearance. I'll yes. let it go. I'll let it go. Yo, good one. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so we want to well, teach people things that you can't pick up from just reading a book and things that you really only learn by actually putting it into practice and doing the job you do. Um, what would you say is the most valuable thing that you have learned over some of the cases that we've talked about? Well, I think the most valuable thing that I've learned just as a lawyer is just the importance of your network, like really like in any job, okay. um, but but even more so like with what I do. Um, there are so many personal injury lawyers out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where y'all live, but passing yeah. 285, I mean, how many billboards do you see? Oh, yes. And, ha- and, ha- and how many, you know, radio ads do you hear? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you want to do what I do, if you can compete with that, Awesome. Um, I, I can't, nor do I want to. Um, so the network becomes where you get all of your kind of cases from. Mm. And then your network is how you're being, I kind of alluded to this earlier, how you're being uh, analyzed on the other side. Yeah. You know, um, both from the insurance companies and from the defense lawyers. Like, like I got this lesson pretty early on about, like, when, when I settle a case with a defense lawyer, you know, hopefully I've, I've done a good job and we mutually respect each other. I mean, it's... It's battle, right? I yeah. mean, it's 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 not like blood and swords, but it's it's like you know we're all doing our job for our clients, and it can get uncomfortable, it can get hard, mm-hmm. and depositions can get messy. But I hope that I've done it in the right way, and I hope they do it in the right way. Yeah. And I hope that we both kind of recognize that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when when the cases are done, however it it, it ends, I always like to go to lunch with that person because we're still human beings, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and just make sure that like you button up the whole experience like in a good manner. And the next time they see me on a case or their partner sees me on a case, they kind of come in with that sort of a mentality. Yeah, it's versus, not like they're out for your blood. They're like, oh, man, blood. that guy. I know. I'm yeah. going to get him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And that happens. Of course yeah. it does. And, and we feel that way about some of the defense lawyers. But, you know, if, if I can if I can lim- limit that, yeah, then I think it helps my clients because it allows the case to be streamlined. You don't get the years and years and years and years because they know, like, Nothing much is going to change between now and then. Like, we kind of get what the facts are. We know you're going to do your job. You know I'm going to do my job. Let's just kind of, like, get there. Yeah. You know? It's, like, an interesting thing. Like, from the outside looking in, you would just think, I mean, 
attorneys, you guys are competitive. I would think it would be so much more hostile. I would too. Being it on is the on TV. Inside, like being at like the GTLA, like everyone is such great so nice. friends, even when they're either on the same side or the opposite side. So it's such an interesting so thing. So it can be hostile. Yeah. And there's some people that like that's their personality, and they're going to yeah. pick a fight over every single issue. That's just not really who I am. Yeah. I don't really like that. You know, like I, I don't really want to be a, in a controversial like situation every day. Can you tell us about a time that you were and maybe you had a really uncomfortable situation arise? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a, a good story to tell, but I mean, what's what happens a lot of times is we'll be sitting in a room like this and across the table like this and we're in depositions and there's no judge there to like police everything. Police everything. I mean, what I've started doing is I videotape every deposition. Yeah. For, for many reasons, but one of them is it keeps the other lawyer's conduct in check mm. because they know that ultimately they're on video for a judge to to see to see yeah and it keeps me in, it keeps everyone in check yeah, like it sure. just it's just mm-hmm. it's just a good record um, because the way that in a deposition is essentially your your pre-trial kind of testimony okay. so that everybody knows what you're gonna say like. The idea that you see on TV that these lawyers are like asking these questions and they They're don't catching you off and guard. Like, yeah. Oh, Surprise I can't believe- witnesses. Like yeah, on Legally like- Blonde, where she asks all the perm. yeah, yeah, the perm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just, we just, me, my, my wife and I just watched Lincoln Lawyer last week. Two weeks oh, ago, which is the good. TV show. Yeah. Spectacular. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Every two seconds, she's like, "Would you just stop, Josh? I know this isn't real. <laughs> like, just let me enjoy it." I'm like, yeah. you're like that's that would never happen. I'm like that would never happen. It was but, such a great show. But whatever, it's a good show. So my my point being is that before you get to court, there's every witness that's going to testify in trial has already sat down and given their testimony. Okay. And in that situation, we're trying to get information out. Their lawyers trying to stop it from getting out, and so it gets very heated when you get to like the guts of the case. Um, and so oftentimes voices get raised, and people storm out, and people, I'm going to end this, and you know. I've I, in my early days, I would try to raise like, kind of keep up with them voice wise. Now I just keep it chill. Try, try. It's hard. I mean, I, I, but I try to just be like, okay, well, if that's your position, then we're just gonna stop right here, and we'll just have to see what the judge says. Yeah. You yeah. know, and when you when you kind of pull that card on them, well, well, let's let's just go ahead and do this. That's know? funny. Yeah, I mean, think that's sometimes like the worst, like when you're trying to like argue with someone and they won't even give it back to you yeah. that's where you're just like okay, you're like oh like, that's yeah. almost like more infuriating yes. than like like with your spouse you know like when you're like oh, dang, you didn't want to yell back like, you didn't okay. want to argue with me tonight <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Was going in on that like, okay. yeah yeah I'm totally die on this hill totally. and, and and we know the reputations of the defense lawyers or any lawyers that acts that way is like very well known yeah people yeah. people talk and say so like when you go into a deposition with that kind of a lawyer like you know it so you got your ducks in a row like i know the issues i've got the the case cited out, whatever. And so when they start spewing about something, I'm like, hold on, here's what the law says. If, if you're not going to allow this to move forward, no problem. We'll stop it right here. Call the judge and we'll let the judge decide. Well, we, we don't need to do that. We don't, we don't need to do that. You know, and, and then you've kind of diffused it. Yeah. They know that you're serious yeah. and it, it hopefully gets their conduct better. But the idea of like back and forth with emails, like with with like red blood coming from them, like I don't play yeah. that game. No. Okay, I don't play that. Chiller font in the chiller font. <laughs> <laughs> like there's some guys that they'll yeah you know, they'll do capitalizations and exclamation points. I'm like I'm not playing this game. Like if you yeah. got a problem, call me, and then I understand how after a call you have to kind of confirm it in writing. Like that's a big thing. I yes. get it. it's like per our conversation. Da, 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 da. Yeah. I get it. But like 
let's talk first. Yeah. Instead of like you being the paper tiger behind your email. Exactly. And, and paper I, tiger, I like that. I do. I like that too. I like that. <laughs> Is there a lesson that you've learned from a case that you would not apply ever again? Something that I've done that I wouldn't ever do yeah. again. Like you put your hand on the hot stove, mm-hmm. as it were. So I think that sometimes um, we try to overdo it on a case. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I tell my wife this all the time. Like, once you get to yes, kind of stop. Stop. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you're already there. Sometimes yeah. I think that there's one more question that you ask. We didn't need to, or one more kind of document. You didn't need to do it. And so mm-hmm. I've I've found myself where like everything's going great, and then the last question. I ask it, and they answer it, and I'm like, well, damn. If I had never asked that question, they wouldn't have said that answer, and we'd have been in a better spot. Okay. So I think I've learned, like, brevity yeah. is, is better. Less, less is more. Mm. And so I try to kind of keep that in mind when I'm handling my cases. Okay. All right. Do you guys have, like, a secret internal Facebook group full of lawyers where you just talk crap about? Like, Too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All day. Just wondering. Yeah. I had okay. a feeling. Too, 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 too many social media groups. <laughs> All right. So we have one final segment that's going to kind of put you in the hot seat here oh for gosh. our closing argument. Yeah. Not like you haven't been in the hot seat, but this is a hotter seat. So I'm, I'm thinking about how I can flip this around and put this on y'all. Yeah. Oh, we'd like to see you try. I'm this week's to. closing <laughs> argument. I was like, he's a lawyer. Don't do that. <laughs> with the podcast. Like, so this is less is more. Oh, less yeah. is more. Podcasts and words are his thing. Okay. Yeah. They're definitely not mine. Um, we're going to play a game of Please the fifth and we're going to ask you three hard-hitting questions and you can only pass or plead the fifth to one of them you ready so i can only pass on one and i'd make the election in real time yeah yeah you don't get to to hear all the questions and be like not that one yep okay you ready i want to understand the rules of engagement yes all right. I, I will say this is not live. So if there is anything that comes up that, needs that you're to be like, okay, that don't tell him that. Strictly for the record, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can talk about we'll come it up with another one. Let's yeah. see how we do. Okay, um, I'll go with a, a, a goodie. Um, what's the last law, non-traffic law, that you've broken? Last non-traffic law that I've broken. I did get a traffic citation a couple weeks ago. Oh, that really irritated me. You didn't have like any special badge you could flash out. I'll tell you the last one I broke. I'll tell you what it is. Ooh. Tell us. Um, Embezzling. <laughs> no. no. Um, He's like, strike that. <laughs> yeah. Now that I think about it. So my daughter, uh, we're Jewish. Uh-huh. Um, she had her, her bat mitzvah last year. Okay. Okay. When your girl turns 13, it's a deal. Um, well, that was during COVID where there was no, um, there was no like places to go, like ballrooms, hotels, venues, mm-hmm. that yeah. kind of stuff. So we did our backyard, which was great. Um, and it went a little late, and it got a little loud. Oh. And so we had the old knock on the door from the from the police. Oh, the police came? Yes. Um, to crack down on a bat mitzvah? To crack down on a bat mitzvah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. did you break, like, a city like law? Noise sound? violation? Noise, noise violation ordinance, yeah, yeah. That's so, good. That's yeah. good. So that was... Did they let you off with a warning? They Were you did. Able to talk they did. I invited, I invited the officer in. I offered him... You know, a nice cocktail, <laughs> yeah. d- dance a little, d- do the horror, whatever we're doing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, now I will say that um, we kind of saw it maybe coming. Yeah. So we had like the ordinance kind of ready. Um, and he didn't want to start arguing with us about like the nuts and bolts of the ordinance. I'm like, it, it was basically like, he's, he basically like, look, dude, 
neighbor called. It's late. Like, just keep Wrap it down. It I'm doing my job. Just like, cool. And we're just, was good. Man, what kind of neighbors do you have? Don't want to live in your neighborhood. That's what I'm saying. Right? They uh, just come over and hung out and <laughs> call the police on us. Yeah, exactly. Like, Sticklers. All right, so what do I have left? Pass okay. and plead the fifth? No, no you only got only, one you, of yes. those. You can only plead the fifth one time. Okay. Because passing is pleading the fifth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Did you ever pull a trick to get out of court? No, I did the opposite. Uh, my When I was young, when I was a, and, and you had what's called leaves of absences, which means like you tell the court... Um, I'm out of town this week, so if there's any court business, uh, I can't, I can't be there, and the courts honor that. Well, oh, wow. when you are a, when you're not what's called the lead counsel in a case, you have no power to do okay. that. Okay. It's got to be the the lead lawyer because they're the ones that are they're on the hook to go. And so, um, the the head lawyer who's on the case um, didn't have a leave of absence, nor should he. But the a trial came out during the week that we were going to go on vacation, my, my family and I, and. Uh, and like you know, when you're when you're only like like that's the one week you go and like the whole yeah. thing and you got this thing, and so I told my wife I'm like, there's a tr- like that Monday's a trial like, I I can't file this stuff I didn't file this stuff like, we're like I won't tell you honey and so she's like well, can't Edward was the boss and he's like call Edward get him to get you out of this court here I'm like you call Edward like, <laughs> 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 I'm like so she so he was cool and and so she's like I know Edward you can get us out of this and he's like. You don't know Judge So-and-so, like, we're trying this case. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I tried to get out of it. Okay. And I ended up being in court that week. Oh, so you didn't, you didn't get out of it? Wife, wife went to the beach. Oh, she went I did not get out of it. No, <laughs> no. Um, oh. I think the case ended, like, maybe Wednesday. So you got, like, a few um, days down got there? a few days, yeah. But, I, you know. I have a question. Okay. I have the third one. Okay. Go for it. Okay. I want a specific time and argument that you have been in with a family member that you were able to win because of your experience as a lawyer. Yeah, so I can negotiate better than they can. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And so so I try to use that to my advantage, especially with my son, because he's actually pretty good at it. He's okay. uh, he's uh, 11, just this morning, actually. Um, he hurt his wrist in football, uh-huh. and just this morning um, – he woke up. My wrist hurts. Just, you know, just, just kind of being complaining. Yeah. And uh, he he tried to negotiate that we would pay him to not complain the rest of the morning. <laughs> oh, I like him. I like that. Genius. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, so he was like, he's like, look, Dad, if you give me a dollar, an hour, I won't like, complain. Like, I, I won't complain. I'm like. The hell are you talking about? I'm like this. I just paid him the dollar. I'm, I know. I'm, <laughs> you like, I'm, I'm like, here I'm you like, go. How many? Five, ten. <laughs> okay, so so here's where, so here's where the story goes. So I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, like you're crazy. Like if we're playing this game, like you pay us. You know, if you do complain, like the zero is status quo. That's what you're supposed to ask. So I go down and meet, drink my coffee, and he comes down smiling or something. I'm like, what happened? He's like. Mom's paying me a dollar fifty not to complain. That is so funny. I go, what'd you say? He goes, yeah, mom's paying me a dollar fifty if I don't complain the rest of the morning. I said, first off, your terms were a dollar. Yeah. A minute ago. Right. Yeah. And you have no standing to make this kind of uh, um, demand. Uh-huh. And she said yes. So she comes down. She's like, I had to, he had to shut up. 
had to, I had to make him <laughs> I stop. I side with wife. That I had to make so him funny. stop. I'm like, well, that's coming out. Like, you go to your wallet and you find a dollar. A dollar fifty is the hard part. It's right. Fifty. Yeah. yeah, and he was so. Anyway, that's uh, digging into my Aldi quarters trying to pay the kid. That's not doing that. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good kid, though. That, oh. that, that happened just this morning. That's yeah. so funny. All right. All well, right. well, thank you, you for joining one. us on this week's episode of the Opening Statements podcast. Thank you all very yeah. much. Had a great time. Yeah. Awesome. That was that was too easy. I didn't. I thought it. I thought maybe I should have said wife. I, yeah. I should have said You're wife. Name it. Yeah, I was trying to put Dana on the slot. <laughs> Mine was if we want to. I we'll throw in a bonus. I rewrote one of our questions based on what he had said earlier. Oh. So, like, not instead of have you ever turned down, I was going to say, like, have you ever cut bait with a client after working with them purely because you didn't like them? Oh, a lot. Like, like where you've been like, I'm going to eat the money and time and be uh, like, you're a... I, w- I won't a say a lot. I did say a you lot. You did say a lot. I won't say a lot, <laughs> but I will say that it happens, and I'm not yeah. afraid to do it. Yeah. And I, th- and I think that, that, that you have to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. because so. Because there's some clients out there that you're just never going to make happy. And yeah. you can usually tell that pretty pretty early pretty early yeah you know um we and agree. i'll give people yeah. I'll, I'll give people a couple a couple chances but there's sometimes i'm just like this is not working it, and, and i'll i'll be the one i'll take it i'm like probably because of me you know i'm not the right fit sure you know? but uh you lay on the it's, sword. it's 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 not worth investing more not only your money but just your time you know and so i'm not afraid to kind of move on from investments i've made when in a case if i just know it's not going to work out gotcha Makes sense. We're going to specify that a little bit more next time. We're going to say, when was the last client? Yes. <laughs> name them by name. <laughs> we need some harder-hitting questions name. here. That, what that, was their case? That's where the Fifth Amendment comes into play. Yeah. yeah. Which, which, by the way, is in my pop-back pocket. Yeah, you still so. got that. I know. Well, we <laughs> couldn't do it. We couldn't stump you. All right. Now I can ask y'all a question. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so when, y'all, when y'all do these podcasts yeah. uh-huh. and the people leave... Yeah. What are the conversations you have about them afterwards? Not about oh. me, but y'all. But y'all have had several before this. So. Yes. So you're 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 certainly rating that person on some scale. Uh huh. What are you talking about? I would about? say like because I think I mean so far we've been so surprised. Super lucky. Like, we were like that was so much funner than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. That was like no one has been a dud. Thank goodness everyone has been fun. Yeah. But we always say we're going to get a dud eventually. I know. And we don't know what we're going to do. Because yeah. there was one day like we, we were just kind of tired. And I was like, man, I forgot about the podcast. I don't want to do this today. I know, like, <laughs> ask the questions. And we just cracked up. We had the best time. Yeah. And so, yeah, we haven't had a bad one yet. But if we did, we'll message you. We'll let you know what exactly what we say. In about an hour, Evan's going to text me like, "You should remember they said about you when you left." That's funny. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. this was tons of fun. Um, make sure you check us out at Hyperchat Social on all the social medias. And remember to give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll catch you next time. Case Case closed. closed.